According to experts, during the first round of school closures, American children were set back on average by seven months in their reading and math learning. We're already seven months behind on math. If we fall another seven months behind, there will be no way to know how many months that is. So I, I missed part of his setup. Uh, who who said that kids are on average seven months behind? He uh, experts is experts, what he said. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah experts. Uh, uh, you know, I will uh, occasionally uh, use a flimsy setup to to make a, a joke. I wonder how. Can you look that up? See if that's sure. a like f- a fairly serious. I heard finally somebody on uh, the news, I believe it was Fox News, inevitably, pointing out that, yeah, experts have have tested the kids and found out that there was a 50% decline in math skills and 30% in reading skills uh, during the whole uh, online learning experiment. I don't doubt that a bit, especially in some grades. Like, second grade's the big grade, at least around where I live, where you make the leap to the really reading. That's the reading year. That's they, They hammer it. This is where you... This is where you learn to read, second grade. Okay. Um, uh, if half of the second grade year gets got canceled, th- those kids have to be way behind. And there are assumptions in the third grade that you can read already. Yes. Yeah. It, you're, you're building a garden wall, in essence. So you can't put a brick on top if you don't have the first several layers. Yeah. So everything will How be delayed. <laughs> Uh, by the way, a listener, Lori, emailed us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com, pointing out that the greatest roller derby movie of all time was 1972's Kansas City Bomber, starring Raquel Welch. Oh, I haven't seen it. Oh, I think I, yeah. Oh, jeez. Watch that with your boy. <laughs> uh, there was a women's roller derby movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, those are different times. With Raquel Welch. Son might look at you and say, Dad, I kind of like looking at girls. What's up with that? The editorial board of the Wall Street Journal sounds off about California's second shutdown. Now, they're writing this in a newspaper in the Northeast for the whole nation because it matters for the rest of the country. Uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom pressed the panic button on Monday. Eh, Prejudicial language. And locked down his state again. The causes of California's COVID-19 surge are complex as they are elsewhere, but most areas have ample hospital capacity. Mr. Newsom and other politicians will do more long-term harm to their citizens if they sedate the economy whenever and wherever there's a flare-up, according to the Wall Street Journal editorial board. More long-term damage by opening up than, than uh, by closing down rather than just staying open. Mm-hmm. Mr. Newsom was the first governor to impose a statewide shelter-in-place order, though to his credit he allowed counties to begin reopening in early May. Santa Clara and San Francisco counties have kept restaurants, bars, and salons closed, but they have nonetheless experienced a surge in cases and hospitalizations like other areas of the state where they did open up. Square that someone for me, will you please? Before you go forward, the counties that didn't open up are getting clobbered as bad or worse than the counties that did. You've got to have an explanation for that, don't you? Before you tell me my business has to close down again? Apparently you don't. No. Gavin will just babble some nonsense and try to sound decisive and leaderly. What's your explanation? I, I think that the virus just does what it's going to do, pretty much no matter how we... That's not science. Now, my explanation, to the extent that I have one, is it's mostly person-to-person transmission by people who know each other. 
and and quote unquote trust each other and right. aren't worried about. Would it. that still be true if none of the other stuff happened? Right, like the only social engagements people are having are small scale things in their houses. If there were still concerts and NBA games going on, would that still be the case? Well, I don't, I, know. I don't think anybody, including me, has argued for keeping concerts and NBA right. games going, the, simply but letting the, the businesses be open. Right, but it 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 all it's a sliding scale, right? You're just trying to decrease the number of involuntary human-to-human interactions. Well, but their argument is the counties where they had those interactions, are, are, are the cases are up, but so are they in San Francisco and Santa Clara where they didn't open things up. So what did they gain by not opening up? By is choking your, the economy. Is out. the argument that it would be even worse? Maybe that's true. I don't know. Sure. So you know, it's not a bad argument. Let me throw this at you and see, see what you guys think. Would there have been the political will for the the paycheck protection programs and the federal assistance had they not done these government shutdowns? That's the an excellent question. Would have been worse. That's an excellent question, and I wonder about that myself too. So, how much would businesses have suffered if they didn't close down just because we were all scared to go out, especially oh. early there in March and? You know, when we didn't really know how it worked, we thought mm-hmm. touching surfaces was going to give it to us and everything like that. Yeah. So nobody was going to go downtown to the restaurant then, whether you closed them or not. And so the restaurant suffers and, you know, is about to go under business. Would there have been the the the, the momentum for the big legislation? I wonder about that. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm having enough trouble dealing with reality, much less hypotheticals. I got no time for your hypotheticals. Since June 22nd, hospitalizations have increased 90% in Los Angeles. Uh, Since when? June 22nd. Brr. 95% in Orange County. 190% in San Francisco, where they stayed closed down. Mm-hmm. 250% in Santa Clara County, where they were giving out tickets for people jogging with a mask on. 230% in Fresno and 260% in San Joaquin County. Some of the biggest increases have occurred in rural areas and Hispanic communities, as they have in Texas, Florida, and Arizona. That's uh, what's happening in my county, by the way. It, it's it's uh, Hispanic families that are a lot of the cases. Um, you know, and, and honestly, I, I admire, I'm jealous of the whole extended family getting together and having fun together and barbecues and the rest of it. I think that's wonderful. Um, but uh, it's an unfortunate side effect of that, that they're getting the vid. No doubt bars and restaurants have contributed to more community spread in many states, but even Gavin Newsom said a few weeks ago that a growing number of cases owed to more private gatherings, birthday and graduation parties, summer barbecues, and these are very difficult for the government control for now. Yeah, I I long for the day when we have 2020 hindsight. Um, Gavin Newsom is right. This is, again, from the Wall Street Journal editorial board. Gavin Newsom is right about the need for personal responsibility to control the virus. Yet he and much of the media have been relentlessly beating up on Republican governors for reopening too fast and too soon. Most states in the Midwest and Mountain West have nonetheless reopened businesses while keeping their epidemics under control. I'm, I, it doesn't add up. I mean, you, maybe there's an explanation, but you have to give it to me. The places that opened up aren't worse aren't worse off than the places that didn't so what's your explanation and then how do you justify telling the guy there at the uh whatever store that he's got to be closed right and my argument for a very long time has been you must do a cost benefit analysis 
not just the benefits of shutting down, which may be illusory anyway, as we're discussing those various counties uh, with very different, uh, you know, rules and regs and and the same result. Um, You've got to assess the costs if you're going to do it uh, honestly and in a way that, you know, the humans uh, who live in your jurisdiction can deal with. You have to concede this is going to crush businesses, put people out of work. There will be worse health health outcomes. There will be more suicides, more depression and anxiety and all of those things. But, my friends, it is worth it. If you're not honest with me about the costs, I feel like I'm being jobbed. Yeah, well, I'll read their final paragraph, and then I'll shut up about it. But It is an ongoing, and it's a major problem. U.S. political leaders from the top down have talked about COVID-19 as if it's an all-or-nothing choice. Lock down the economy to crush the virus or let it rip. The reality is that we may have to live with the virus for a long time, and that means managing its risks while letting the economy function to avoid mass poverty. The price of lockdowns is higher than their benefit, which is what you just said. There you go. The price of lockdowns is higher than their benefit. And you get sucked into arguments, or it's portrayed one-sidedly as if it's... um, well, letting it rip, as the Wall Street Journal said. And that there are no costs. No, I don't want to let it rip. I, I want people to have to stand six feet apart and wear a mask to go into the store. I had, uh, got yogurt yesterday uh, downtown where I live at this little yogurt place, and they were doing the thing that some restaurants are doing where you can't you can't even go in there. They they like got a glass at the door and you order, and then they go get it and bring it to you or whatever. Mm-hmm. I said, how's business? I've known this guy for years. And he said, we're down 50%, but we're still open. Oof. 50% a lot. <clears throat> wow. Especially because a business like that has narrow margins. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, well, he's the owner. He's yeah. there standing, handing out yogurt. Right. I mean, there ain't a lot of people involved. Right. Yeah. Um, but he said his couple employees, he said, I've been able to keep them, uh, I've been able to keep paying them, but it's it's hard. How long can you do that? How often do you eat ice cream slash yogurt slash milkshakes, would you say? How often do I eat it? Yeah. I didn't eat any. Oh, you taking my kids, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. I'd be 780 pounds if I ate... Uh, 780? <laughs> according to experts, if That's I big. ate ice cream once a week... Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You don't eat ice cream once a week? Oh, no. I've never really been an ice cream guy. That's Once other, every six months, I, know, and people, I love it. People love go, it. Yeah, I know oh, what yeah. most people do. It's oh, not my, my God, name. I'd be eating ice cream right now. Although I do love <laughs> milkshakes. But donuts are my, my, my kryptonite. If you stayed off the donuts, you swore off of them oh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, right? On the 4th of July, I declared my independence from donuts. <laughs> That's very clever. <laughs> and uh, and I have not gone See back. See what he did there? <laughs> well, good for you. I'm proud of you, my boy. Yeah. I did a flag in my self-will or something. <laughs> so one of the stranger aspects of life in America, if you ask me, is that if somebody becomes the object of sympathy... Uh, people send them S-loads of money. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't get it. Got a great example of that. A San Diego area barista uh, who's rich all of a sudden for some reason. That's coming up. Armstrong and Getty. Tax day doesn't feel like a tax day. I hope everybody uh, caught on. I just well, you said earlier you think there will be a whole bunch of people that didn't file this year more than usual. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd be shocked if there weren't because the changing tax day or because the finances are just 
Wow, yeah, both, honestly. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just think April 15th, it's more than a date. Everybody knows what that Once you become an adult, you hear April 15th. You think one thing. Texas, beautiful, lovely Texas. Thanks for taking my money. All right, getting back to the thread. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people would just forget or blow it off or, or whatever. Yeah, and plus people are are hurting. You know what I'd like to see is some good, reliable statistics on how many people are not making their house payments or rent or what have you. Because I've heard various numbers thrown around, and they're they're shocking. Uh, We'll see if we can come up with that uh, and let you know. But So this is one of these uh, stories. It's 21st century America. you got a 24-year-old college student. His name is Lennon Gutierrez. Lennon? Who names their kid Lennon? It's spelled like Vladimir Ilyich Lennon. Interesting. That is interesting. Well, anyway, he's a 24-year-old college student. He's working at a Starbucks in beautiful Claremont, California, when a customer came in without wearing a mask. Uh, he pointed out the coronavirus rules, and she left. But then she criticized him on Facebook for refusing to serve her. That caught the eye of this guy from Irvine, California, who's a marketing and brand strategist, who thinks masks are a good idea and Internet bullying is a bad one. So he started a GoFundMe campaign. For, for which one? For the for the, the barista guy, for the guy who said you need to wear a mask. Okay, yes, because these can go either way. I've seen him go the other way too. Yes, and, for the person that got denied service, you raise money for them. <laughs> ironically, I was just about to say the GoFundMe oh. campaign is helpfully named "Tips for Lennon for Standing Up to a San Diego Karen." Okay, using a social media label for overly entitled people who boil over in public. Hmm. Although she didn't boil over in public, she just posted something critical. He was hoping for a thousand dollars, blah blah and blah, more would... money, newspapers, TV stations, hundred grand oh, for good this geek. Lord, what is it with you people? There are some really worthy causes out there. I could list you ten that you know. If I explain to you what they do, you'll cry. This barista's fine. Somebody put a Facebook. I went to the whatever coffee shop today, and they wouldn't wouldn't give me coffee because I didn't have a mask. And this guy, you'll was be so fine. Mean. You don't you don't need ten bucks, let alone a hundred thousand. Jeez, Louise, we're an odd people. Not your fault, but just weird. Why are you giving him money? But listen to this. This is quite literally true. They brought him a silver medical medal, rather briefcase, placed it on a picnic table, and opened it up. Up came the lid. A hundred thousand dollars in paper strapped stacks of fifty dollar bills. Wow. For this uh, barista who somebody said something mean about online. And speaking of taxes, I'm not putting it on there. But wait now, Jack. There's a twist. There's always a twist. Uh, okay, so... Uh, you people with your, your virtue signaling that is in the form of GoFundMe. That's interesting. So this woman, her name is Amber... She's the one who posted the photo of the barista with the caption, Meet Lennon from Starbucks who refused to serve me because I'm not wearing a mask. Next time I will wait for cops and bring a medical exemption. <clears throat> you are a pain in the ass, lady. But anyway, a stranger then blah, blah, blah. Well, now this Amber woman says she wants half the money. It was discrimination, <laughs> and everybody is okay with it, and enabling and rewarding oh, that behavior. Shut up. Just shut up. It's not discrimination. You need to go away. You she, need to go away on so many different levels. She went on to describe the symptoms that prevent her from wearing a mask, saying, I'm a pain in the... <laughs> one of them, I get shortness of breath, dizziness, and it's it messes... because your head's up your hiney. It's hard to breathe. <laughs> and it messes with... You're not being fair. You are so unfair. 
uh, dizziness, and it messes with the heartbeat. And I do have asthma as well, and I get mask acne. Hey, I got a question for you. <laughs> Based on the way you told the story, you didn't explain that to the barista. No. Getting acne is not a reason to not wear <laughs> so, a mask. Again, shortness of breath, dizziness, messes with the heartbeat, huh? which sounds like a wuss rock song from 1975. <laughs> well, that's and my... it messes with the heartbeat. That's a wham classic. Right. And <laughs> asthma and mask acne. Uh, she provided ABC 10 News with two documents to prove her medical exemption. One is a pelvic exam from 2015. Thanks, I didn't ask for one. Which... <laughs> which Want to see my pelvic exam? Which is no, about no. very insist. The second piece of paper is a handwritten note with letterhead from a San Diego chiropractor who she asked not be named. Psychic chiropractor. <laughs> Palm reader, whatever. <laughs> Bet you a hundred dollars um, that note was written with one of those crooked pens that you get in the chiropractor. So, office. But, but did she ex- say any of this to the guy serving coffee? Because she didn't make that clear. Um, because there are medical exemptions for masks. I've heard about that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to be like handicap handicap placards. Certain level of scumbags or service animals will will do it just because they can get away with it. Right. Right. But I think if you went up to a person that says, for medical reasons, I've got a, a heart problem, I can't wear a mask. Oh, okay, well, here's your coffee then. I, well, I, I right. would guess. Would you mind guys. waiting outside? We'll bring yeah. it to you. So she's a jackass. You people who gave this barista money are jackasses. <laughs> the guy who started it, this Matt Cowan, is a jackass. <laughs> got a freaking corral full of jackasses oh, in this geez. country. Got a mule team that could take you across the Sierra. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We do have one potentially explosive allegation in the book, at least one. Mm-hmm. Um, and you write that uh, when the president was trying to transfer from Fordham to Penn, mm-hmm. he had someone else, a man named Joe Shapiro, mm-hmm. take his SATs. Yes. I've been told this by people in my family. I am absolutely confident that it's true. Um, I'm happy to finally to be able to speak about it. Um, How do you know it's true? I trust my sources. Is Joe Shapiro still alive? That I don't know. I have no idea. Have you ever met Joe Shapiro? I have not. So you're com- you believe in your sources. Mm-hmm. How do your sources know? Um, they were alive at the time. Um, so they have firsthand knowledge of this. All right, that's Donald Trump's niece who's written a book. Um, I, I hate these tell-all books, always do. Joe Shapiro's um, wife, by the way, for what it's worth, says he didn't meet Donald Trump till after that. But who cares? Well, uh, this this book will have no lasting effect of any kind. I'm disappointed that George Stephanopoulos gave it the platform of Good Morning America to even interview. But on a number of things that she's claimed, I've thought, because I've been in correspondence with my niece over a couple of different things. I've got three nieces. None of them have any idea about my taxes, for instance. It's hard to imagine any of my nieces <laughs> saying, you know, Jack once claimed this on his taxes. They they, they don't know anything about my taxes. Nope. They also don't know anything about my uh, my uh, tests I took in college or anything else. They don't know anything no. about any of that. No. I mean, it's hilarious the idea that they would. But anyway, um, that's enough of that. I want to uh, see Obama's college transcripts. Long-form birth certificate. That's what I'm waiting for. Yes. Uh, Kenyon.
Um, two things I just saw on the Twitter feed. Uh, we forgot to mention again, Kanye West has officially dropped out of the 2020 presidential race. So that was... And I donated $500 to this campaign. <laughs> I got a bumper sticker. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I booked a hotel for the convention, the Kanye-vention. I Kanye. already filled out Ye my mail-in ballot. <laughs> oh, boy. So, I'd already sent in my mail-in ballot. <laughs> that's a waste That's of funny. Uh, <clears throat> the city of Philadelphia cancels all large events until February 2021. I only mention that because that's the first I've seen of things being canceled in next year. Yes. So we're on to that now. Things that are canceled in 21. Well, listen, this is a good problem to have, but Judy and I are talking about doing a little uh, vacation thing with some good friends of ours. And allegedly, um, my my kind benefactor is going to give me his master's tickets for next year wow. because I couldn't go this year um, because there wasn't one. Well, there's going to be one allegedly in October, but there won't be any fans. No, and no. so... Back when they I, said I they were moving, I don't think there's gonna be one. Back when they said they were moving it to October, it seemed like, oh, okay, sure, by then it'll be okay. Yeah. No, no way, no way. No, it's practically impossible. So next April, they're gonna have a golf tournament with fans. I doubt it. They're gonna have the. What would you put the the uh, the percentage chance at? Are they gonna have the 2019 event in April of 2021? Is that what's gonna happen? They'll just hold the Masters six times in a row in the year 2026. <laughs> Every weekend until they get them out of the way. Exactly. <laughs> We have crowned the 2023 Masters champion. I saw the uh, the CDC guy, Redfield. I think that's his name. Yeah, yeah. that sounds right. Uh, they, with a lot of the vaccine kind of movement that's been going on, he reiterated there's a, a target date for January January next year of the for having the vaccine. And if that is available and not bottlenecked for various reasons... I think that could be a, a, a big game changer for all these things. Yeah, I got a target date for writing a great American novel, too, but I've had to move it a couple of times. Working on that novel, are you? <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I hope the vaccine doesn't get politicized when it comes out. You don't think that'll happen, do you? <laughs> what, in today's climate? No. no. Um, <laughs> we'll all unite together around the common goal of blah, blah, blah. I'm going to talk about nuclear weapons tomorrow, because tomorrow is the 75th anniversary of the first test on planet Earth of a nuclear weapon. How'd it go? Uh, very well. Yeah. And then just uh, wasn't that many days later, we dropped one on Japan. So uh, that whole story. I, I've started into the Chris Wallace book that is, I think, the number one nonfiction book right now um, about um, the the run-up to dropping the first nuclear weapon as it is the 75th anniversary, and people are kind of re-evaluating it. Oh, Sam Harris's latest podcast, Sean told me about this. Mm-hmm. I was listening to it. He talks to a number of different experts and, and making the point that um, it's weird. I mean, it is the greatest it is the greatest threat to mankind easily. I mean, there is there is a way to to wipe out the species uh, to a great extent this afternoon. Mm. I mean, there are other ways, you know. We and you're saying about, you're in favor of it? We're or? talking about demographic, demographics, we're talking about viruses, we're talking about economic collapse. But any, like, just actually obliterating humans, right? it's all nuclear weapons, and they exist. And they're out there, and we used to be really worried about it. Locked and loaded, but as the, they say. But because it hasn't happened, it has just exited everybody's mind, and now you've got generations of people growing up never had any fear of it. There are adults now that have never had any fear of a nuclear holocaust because right. it's never been on the table. It's kind of a vague, you know, you're aware of it, but you never think about it Sam, type of situation. The Sam Harris podcast is good. He's talking to 
William Perry, he was sec def under Clinton, Uh but he worked for six different presidents. William the Refrigerator Perry, that's correct. (laughs) Including going back to he was was a a lower level guy in the Kennedy administration during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And he's got some years on him. Yeah, he's in his 90s. Wow. Um, During the Cuban Missile Crisis, he said there's stuff they didn't know that they now know. They didn't find out for 20 years. Um, Kennedy at the time was telling people internally, there's a one in three chance we go to full out nuclear war with the Soviet Union. One in three during those 13 days. He says that the information we now have, we didn't know that they had tactical nukes already there and ready to go. He said, if we had known that it would have been easily a better than 50, 50 chance that we were going to go to full-out nuclear war. Wow. Because with those there, we couldn't risk waiting to see what happened. And Kennedy was being pushed hard every single day by his generals. we got to strike now. They got them there. They're ready to go. If we don't strike them first, we're doomed. And and uh, Perry, who uh, he said he went to the White House every day. He w- he drove in to, um, to work every day thinking, there's a 50-50 chance I don't come home tonight. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Wow. That he was going to personally die. Wow. He thought thought there was a 50-50 chance going to the White House every single day. And now so we've got generations of people that have never grown up with any threat of that happening and just don't think it's like actually exists. Hmm. Um, it's weird. It, I mean, it's just weird that, that, that a mankind lets it just hang out there the way we do. I don't know what the alternative is. There's going to be no de-weaponization. You know, that's the fantasy stuff. On the other hand, a uh, roughly seventy-four and three-quarter years of not using them is—it's a pretty good track record. Came close once, man. I almost nah. joined. I almost joined the the Coast Guard. <laughs> was that, I, I almost went to law school. Cold War is that the when yeah. we almost used them? Okay. Yeah. Well, that was in the, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Google it, kids. Um. Yeah. Wow. Well. Yeah. I did. Uh, there's no alternative. I think this is a great situation. But it will happen someday, right? If we're gonna, if if you're gonna allow, including pe- places like Pakistan and China, for crying out loud, it'll happen someday, right? I will tell you this: the lack of a nuclear weapon falling into hands that would use it, the fact that that hasn't happened yet, is a pleasant surprise. Oh, if you if you went back seventy five years and told Robert Oppenheimer that's that first of all, if you said all these countries are going to get nuclear weapons because we didn't know at the time. It's part of the interesting part of the book is, um, so Truman becomes president, FDR dies, Truman becomes president. He had no idea we're working on this bomb at all. No mm-hmm. idea whatsoever. He'd had two meetings with FDR, two face-to-face meetings Wow. Uh, as vice president. Um, so he has no idea we got this weapon. He immediately becomes president. Military guy pulls him aside. I got to tell you this. We're building this bomb that's like just a crazy bejesus bomb. I mean, like nothing <laughs> you've ever seen before. Yeah. Um, and so when he goes to meet like a week or so later with Stalin and Churchill, he tells Stalin, hey, look, we've got a bomb that we think we can end this thing in Japan. And Stalin looked, uh, you know, fairly calm about it. Well, we didn't know Stalin knew absolutely how far along we were. Oh, they had really? enough spies at Los Alamos. He was getting daily updates as to where we were on the bomb. Oh, my god! It was, was as up-to-date as Harry Truman was as to where we were on the whole bomb thing. We but, have a secret weapon. Didn't know. Duh, I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is troubling to think it about. It is troubling. But anyway, if you'd have told Robert Communists. Oppenheimer at the time who was, who was leading the Manhattan Project, look, this is how many countries are going to get the bomb. Some of them are like, 
you know, these are their politics and all that. We're going to go 75 years and nobody's going to use one. And I thought it was impossible. Right. He just said one of your facts is completely wrong because those two things are incompatible. And so often left out of this conversation, of course, nobody's ever used an H-bomb. Those are the bombs everybody's got now. Nobody's actually used one of those. We've used these other atomic bombs, which were horrifying. The H-bomb is way bigger deal than that. And nobody's ever used one. Yeah, you're scaring me. What are you trying to do here? Not well, going to be able to sleep tonight. Sam Harris and Chris Walsh, writer of this book, and other thinkers think it's worth you know using the 75-year anniversary to take a look at to where things are in the world and mm. see, is there anything we can do to stop proliferation, dial it back a little bit, like re-remember what the stakes are when we start getting you know blustery the way we are with China right now, for mm-hmm. instance. Yeah. Well, it's probably worth mentioning that our, our great frenemy, Pakistan, is often cited uh, as the place a nuke will come from that gets in the wrong hands. Because their regime barely functions. As a country, it's it's shaky, and that's why we give them money, even though they're, they're a sucky, sucky friend. We're just trying to keep them from falling apart and selling their nukes for, you know, rent money. Yeah, well... What is it with you? You're scared. What is it with you? We can't talk about anything else. You got the nuclear holocaust? Nuclear holocaust. It's a Wednesday. It's the summertime. We're dealing with the vid, and you bring it to drop an NH bomb on us. <clears throat> By the way, I was thinking about uh, just reading the book. It mentioned how uh, FDR drops dead brain hemorrhage. Uh, 64, I think he was. This is your effort to cheer us up? No, just how much we've changed about age. You th- we think about FDR was an old president, and you see the, the pictures oh, yeah. and everything. He was an old man. He was in his early 60s. He was a child by today's standards of who we allow to be president. Boy, you're right. We had a couple He'd of people. He'd be the young race. upstart oh, this time around. Don't think I, like Biden and Trump would say, what do you know? He's practically you're a different generation. You're in your early 60s. You barely know anything. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Oh, hey, speaking of healthcare and that sort of thing, uh, and perhaps, I don't know, brain hemorrhages. A great court case the other day, huge ruling, good for all of us, and it got zero coverage, partly because the drive-by media doesn't even understand it, I think, and partly because the vid and everything else and Trump, nobody pays attention to anything else. But it's a it's great victory for consumers. So I'll share that with you, among other things. We'll try to finish strong next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Oh, and England officially said no to Huawei yesterday, so they're not going to do the 5G Huawei thing. Way to go, Britain. That's a win for freedom. Way to go. This is a win for freedom, too. It's kind of a preliminary win, but we've talked to Craig, the healthcare guru, about this for a long time. Uh... Hospital uh, pricing transparency. Hospital prices, nobody knows what they are going in. You don't know after you get treated, you get a bill. You have no idea why your MRI uh, MRI is $3,000 over here. Cross town, it's $6,000. And in the next town, it's $1,500. Nobody knows. Well... There's a ruling by a federal judge in D.C. dismissing a suit brought by the American Hospital Association that challenged the new Department of Health and Human Services rule mandating hospitals to disclose their privately negotiated prices with health insurance companies. 
Um, <clears throat> it's a great ruling, and and healthcare advocates have been howling for this for a very long time. Now, according to this uh, this press release from um, a doctor who's in favor of transparency, he says the meaning of the ruling and what will happen are different. Uh, there will be an appeal accompanied by a full court public relations press by the hospital industry to derail this effort. If the battle they don't can- want you to know, <clears throat> huh? Nope. Um, and they want to have you know negotiated uh, prices with the healthcare companies that you know nothing about. I mean, because if I'm on a gurney next to another guy on a gurney, maybe we're sharing a gurney. Maybe we've hit it off. But the guy in the next gurney, maybe you climb on his gurney, is just gonna get charged a thousand dollars, and they're gonna hammer me for for twenty five hundred because I'm not on that insurance plan. I'm going to yell. I mean, can you imagine if you got treated that way at a gas station or a convenience store or why any- is it why is gas $6 a gallon for me cuz you can afford it. He can't. So it's a dollar a gallon. <laughs> what? Well, he's got gas insurance. Um uh so oh, and this uh this doctor doc activist says if the battle can be dragged out until after the presidential election hospitals and insurance companies can hope a new administration will rescind the executive orders because the lobbyists will get to them and and bribe them with lots and lots of money i've only had to deal with this once i wanted to get a a pet scan when um um, they thought there was something wrong with me and insurance wasn't covering yet so i was just going to go ahead and do it rather than wait and pay cash for it. Well, trying to figure out what it costs, even trying to find the right human being that can or will tell you when you call a hospital is really annoying. Right. And really hard. Right. And it was quite interesting wow. how much it varied from place to place. It was like $1,100 one place, $1,800 another place. If you drive, drive 20 miles this way instead of 15 miles this way, it was $700 cheaper. Yeah. And state by state, the, uh, the difference can be astonishing. Multiples. Oh, yeah. I didn't from even. One place I didn't another. even look into what if I decide to take the weekend and cross a state line, or go to Tijuana. Might have been. You might have been able to stay in a hotel and or Calcutta. Fly to Calcutta. Actually, people do that all the time because the total cost of the trip is less than getting treated at an American hospital. Hmm. Woke up. It was an A and G morning, and the first thing that I heard. Was the conscience of the nation Jack and Joe, they wrote the words With Michelangelo and positive charm Wrapping up like pipes and drums Oh, won't you stay for final thoughts And we'll wear it to the night come That was well-crafted there. That was really good. There's no time for final thoughts now, but... uh... I like the Joan Baez vibe. That's very, very good. I believe that's a Mitchell, Joni Mitchell song. Chelsea Moore. Okay, gotcha. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Let's get a couple. There's Michelangelo. What's your final thought, Michael? Yeah, I watched Roller Derby as a kid on late night TV, and I got to catch the documentary on not... On Netflix, I didn't know there were rules to the to the game. <laughs> no, no, they actually there's a way to score it. I thought they were just making it up too. Positive Sean, our producer, has a final thought for us. I've mentioned Occam's razor uh, many times on the show, but I bring to you guys a new razor today. This is Hanlon's razor. Never attribute to malice that which can be adequately explained by stupidity. Yep, that's, that's a, a good, good one. one. Yeah, or as we've often put it, it's not a conspiracy; it's incompetence. Yep. Uh, Jack, a final thought for us. That's tax day. Just to remind you, half the country doesn't pay taxes, so uh, that's how policies get made. Just thought I'd throw that in there at the end. Oh, boy. Uh, my final thought is, uh, we talked about this earlier, there is going to be a jaw-dropping drop in per- fertility. 
across the world, according to demographers. I know I'm not having any more babies. The world has a population is will peak soon and start to decline pretty drastically. Which should open up real estate. So if if you like population, have like 20, 30 kids, I guess. If you're particularly fertile. I don't know. I think the world probably has enough people. The problem is policy. You know, old people are expensive and young people are productive. And if you got too many old people and too few young people, you got problems. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it'll result in cannibalism. Probably. <laughs> almost. Well, almost. Al- <laughs> almost certainly cannibalism. The end to all my stories is nuclear holocaust. The end to all your stories is cannibalism. <laughs> well, I'm a realist. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. So many people to size up for meat. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. All of our podcasts are there. The On Demand, the uh, One More Thing, it's there. Drop us an email, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. So I was looking at the contract the other day. We have to see you tomorrow. What? Yeah, we do. Well, so we will. Uh, God bless America. You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say what that. I've sat here for over three hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> that sucks. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say. How very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not uh, good. And just change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. Then we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios, mofo. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing? The light's no good. I always look orange. Armstrong and Getty.